Three, two, one. Emma. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, glad for you. Oh, I'm honoured to meet you and um, happy for you to be in the, in the hot seat in the podcast chair. Thank you for joining me. No worries. Thanks for having me. No worries. How are you today? Right. Uh, good, thanks. Nice. Yeah. Um, black coffee? Yeah. Black, no milk? No sugar? No milk. Oh, yeah. It's just something I started doing a few years ago. I started drinking black coffee and yeah. kind of got used to it that when I drank milky coffee, I was like, oh, this isn't that great. But I do like if we go to a cafe to have breakfast, I'll get a cappuccino with an extra shot mm. and extra chocolate. Right. So that's oh. the only way. It's the only way I'll drink coffee with milk so is like chocolate. lots of chocolate on top. Nice. Yeah. So you're not doing any intermittent fasting that you have to restrict your milk? No, nah, my no, nah, I um I eat a pretty standard diet, like, you know, but black coffee is just one of those things that I went to and people are like, Do you do it for any reason? I'm like, no, I just I just like it. So oh. yeah. I'm not sure, like I can do I can do espressos yeah. and, and like long max or whatever, but long black's a little bit dark. Yeah, I think it's I just got used to it. Um sometimes I'll get some milk in there, but yeah. pretty rarely. You know, if someone put milk in it by accident, like I'd just, oh, I'll just drink it. Not, not that Would it ruin it? Would it ruin the coffee for you? Uh, nah, because I worked at a cafe for quite a few years, so I don't want to be a difficult customer. <laughs> um, but then it just depends what mood I'm in. I'm like, well, no, like if I ordered what I ordered, I want what I ordered. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, it's funny because because I used to work at Macca's as well, and there's a little bit of an appreciation of how like how difficult it is to do that sort of stuff, especially you have to deal with customers who are like Karen and pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm like, in, in like you can go up to someone and be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm really sorry. Like it's okay, but I didn't order this, yeah. but it's still as when, if you're working on the coffee machine and someone comes up to them, it's like, well, you're not sorry. Cause if you weren't sorry, you wouldn't have told me. So <laughs> it's one of those things you feel yeah. so awkward doing it, but it's sometimes you're like, Oh, it's, I just want what I want what I ordered. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, before we um, get started in the conversation, just give the listeners a little bit of a um, background, like a two-minute, one-minute spiel. Or okay, probably something. closer to one minute. Um, yeah, so my name's Emma. I, I'm a 400-metre and 800-metre runner. I'm also 800. Um, so 800 is my main event on the track. I'm a former pole vaulter. Um, so I competed at a world youth championships and two world juniors or two world under twenties. It's what they call it now. Um, and yeah, so 2017, I kind of transitioned out of pole vault, went back to my running and, um, like I mentioned to you earlier, finally can beat my, my 14 year old (laughs) self over an 800, but, um, starting to run some good times, putting me kind of competitive with those over East, um. So, yeah, and I also am a strength conditioning coach, um, got my level two ASCA accreditation and also just a running coach as well, um, working out of front runner sports in Wembley. Wow. 800 metre running must be the most painful experience. <laughs> like I could barely get a 200 metre running, yeah. but 800, an extra uh, uh, 600 metres on top of that is, must be the pain. Is it How hard is it to get through an 800 um, compared well, to a 400? Yeah, so I like people like people used to say 400s is the hardest event just mm-hmm. because you produce so much lactic mm-hmm. and you, you got to get to the finish line. Um, but now that I'm an 800 runner and I run 400s off the back of my 800 fitness, I actually really like the 400 because I'm fit. <laughs> so I'm probably not producing as much lactic as like all the other 400 runners running like a 51 second um because I'm not running that fast so I actually like the 400 now because it doesn't feel that hard because I'm fitter than when I was <laughs> running it a couple of years ago um but yeah 800 is is different again it's you know two laps and 
um, it's almost like two 400s rather than like a nice, easy two laps around the track. It's, um, you know, you're pushing the limits with the lactic, but mm. you have to run an extra lap. <laughs> so you kind of get to 600 metres. Actually, for me, it's like I, I get 300 metres into the race and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I still have 500 metres to go. <laughs> right. It's almost like, um, like you know, if you've got a package coming for in the mail. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to hurt. But if the if the pain comes early, you know you're in a world of hurt for the like the last couple of laps or the last lap. I guess. Yeah, so you kind of get to that. Uh, it's for, for everyone. It's different, but I get to 500 to go, and I'm like, I haven't even got halfway. Yeah. And then I get to 400 <laughs> to go, and I'm like, all right, one lap to go. And then you kind of you got it once you get to 600. So once you got 200 to go, it's like the last rep at training. Like you, it just sorts itself out. But you have to get to 600 yeah, without blowing up. Um, and I'm like. Um, beginning of the season we were playing around with my racing a little bit and I ran yeah I ran maybe like a second quicker through 600 than what I was used to and I still came I still finished the last two and ran a PB but because it was like a second quicker over that first 600 meters I like blew up with lactic I was shaking after the race I couldn't walk and then I like had a lactic spew and like it was horrible but yeah, and that was only like a second quicker than what I was used to and my body just responded so bad. And then like a month later I ran a three-second PB and I felt fine. Oh, it's wow. just, yeah, it's so crazy in terms of like, yeah, I don't know, someday I guess I'm, I might have been off that day or something, but yeah. I was so like I, after that I was like, I never want to do that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> was it, did you um, do something different during the day? Did you eat something um, different? Or? Well, I ate my lunch too late, <laughs> so I kind of got home from work and I was rushing around and, I ate lunch and as I finished my lunch, I looked at the time and I was like, oh, that's yeah. a bit close to race time. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it was just that. But then also just that lactic production was like insane and I've never felt like that. <laughs> How long did it take for you to kind of recover after that? It was a couple of hours. Oh, well, yeah, it took me like an hour or maybe like half an hour where I was feeling pretty crap. Um, but we, we have to, like I had to do a cool down anyway, so – by the time I started like moving around and jogging, but the worst thing to do after an 800 or after a hard session is lie on the floor mm. and, and not move. And that's what I did. Oh. <laughs> but, but as soon as you start yeah. moving, you feel better. Yeah, right. um, but it takes a while to get to that point of wanting to move. Mm. So, Is there a limit on how many 800s or like, I guess, because obviously in, in track and field, you can do multiple events on a, on a race day or a competition yeah. day, right? Is there a limit to... What you can do, like if you do many 800 meters, go off and do other events after that. Um, oh, I think so. Once you kind of get to a certain age, um, I guess you kind of pick your events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so like on a Friday night, um, like there's two programs they kind of um like rotate between every every second Friday. So there'll be an 800 every second week, but on that same program there'll be like a 200 and a 3k uh, or something like that. Okay. So um unless you want to like I could always back up a 200 with an 800 um sorry an 800 with a, doing a 200 after <laughs> but um yeah it's not really like you kind of look at it now like if I was a younger athlete I'd go yeah do a 200 after um some of the girls that I coach at front runner they'll do a 1500 and then back it up with a 400 because 1500 is their main event and they're just trying to get a bit of speed so they will just jump in and do a four and because they're younger too um, and they're still doing like some little a con- little A's and stuff. Um, yeah. where but whereas like I'm 24, so 
for me doing a 200, there's not too much value to my training. Mm. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe a little bit of speed might be worth it. But, um, you know, when you're looking at an 800, you're going to get your speed from a 400. Wow. Um, and, you know, I don't do much work out of the blocks and running a good 200 is like a lot to do with the start as well. Um, so me coming out of the blocks is pretty ugly um <laughs> and I don't do any work with it so it's not really like it's nothing that I focus on so yeah potentially I could do a two but it's kind of like you kind of look at like what you're going to gain from it um if anything I might do like a like a threshold 10 minute kind of run after a race um just to top up because obviously when you compete um your sessions might be five six k's worth of work but when you compete it's cut right down to like four case so just getting a little bit of top up by going and doing a couple 200s at the grass track after which I can't say I've done that much because I kind of race and I'm like yeah done <laughs> but wow. um yeah just a couple of times this season after a four I've gone over to the grass and done like a 10 minute kind of threshold workout just to top up so I'm not just running a 400 and going home that's interesting because we back in the footy club I worked with over in Adelaide, we did something similar. We had a trial game and it's one of those trial games that was only one side was playing. So it was like a mix of, of league and reserves players playing. So we had a really large squad. So our our game data was lower than what we expected. So we said to the guys, look, we're playing. It's going, it was a Friday afternoon game. Yeah, Friday afternoon evening game. But we have to go and do top up running after the actual game you're playing because you're not getting enough running into mid-hour like loads for the week. So they were like not happy. But Yeah, they're like, what? what you, <laughs> I just played a game of footy. <laughs> and after the whole other team and all the like supporters who came to watch the, the trial game left yeah. and we were out there just running one yeah. laps after the end. They were, well, and, that, and that's the thing. Like I think um, obviously you working in strength conditioning and me having a background in strength conditioning, but then we did so much, you do so much study around training load and all of that. Mm. And that's the, that's the biggest thing this time of the year is – losing fitness because you're racing too much yeah so because your set your session which is now a competition becomes you know three four k's less than what you've been doing at training right. if you were to do a session um so you know you can, like you can it's like one it's a really hard kind of thing like you got match fitness same with like with footy um so you got race fitness with athletics um but yeah that idea that if you race too much and you start to lose your fitness because you're right. not because you're racing too much like you might be getting good at racing but um yeah it's mm. just like finding that balance between racing enough and I think that's what um, me working with my coaches this year we've kind of found that balance between like not racing every single week because we don't need to like doing yes, a couple yes. 400s here and there but if 800s are my focus it's like at the start of the year we really picked what ones we were going to do and a lot of them we just did on the back of training so not freshening up for any races just doing a full week of training mm. throwing a race in seeing how we respond yeah um and then you know we race on a friday night at sometimes like quarter to nine and then it's like oh, all right so you're training tomorrow 7 a.m <laughs> so <laughs> so not too much rest but kind of like you know not having not feeling the need to freshen up for every single race yes. because you know and i and it's a really hard one because you feel like you should but when they're just local comps and you're just trying to get a few races in this time, like, well, a couple months ago, so, like, th through that November, December period, um, yeah, it's just about getting on the track. You know, you, you're never going you, to feel great. And if you feel crap at nationals, like, if you're heavy or you feel like you haven't tapered well enough, you're not going to not race. So right. it's kind of like practicing, yes. like, even though you feel, might feel crap in the warm-up, 
it's like, well, you still got to run because if you feel like this at nationals, you can't just bail. Right. Oh, I don't feel good. Like I'm not running. So it's almost like getting around that mental side of things as well. My coach is always like, you know, just be aware of how you feel in the warm up and and then you know and then just run. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, well, if I feel bad in the warm up, but I don't want to acknowledge that I feel bad because then if I run bad, it's because I felt bad. But when I ran my first PB, I felt terrible. Like before the race, I was like. I felt like I was going to pass out. Like it was so late and I just felt tired and lethargic. But I think that as well is almost a good thing because then I took pressure off myself. I was like, I feel like shit yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to run. Like I'm still going to run, but I feel crap. Mm. And I ran a PB and I was like, oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. That happens a lot of times. Like you, you there's well, that old adage you're saying, the worst workout is the one you've ever done. Mm. You always, no matter how hard, or how bad you feel, you should just kind of get into a start moving. You generally get the cobwebs out and you feel better. Yeah, and it's like I reckon every session, I I don't reckon I've ever felt good in a warm-up. Mm. Like you warm well, up warm and you're like, for. oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> and then you get into your session and you're like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you never know. Like something might happen in a session. They might actually – you don't because I do a little bit of martial arts training as yeah. well. So some like usually after a long day, it's just real drag to kind yeah. of get in. But because I don't really know what this – the sessions entail sometimes there might be some sparring i might end up just getting the group like you just kind of get into a groove sometimes and just kind of feel the better work through it might be some good pad rounds you might just you might just get in and it just feels good even though everything else on that day was just shit yeah <laughs> um one of the, the questions you you was talking about then the competitions for athletics they're they're regular but you don't have to compete at all of them is that is that right and you can kind yeah. of you can choose which ones are priority priorities yeah and then you can kind of Based your scheduling off off that? Yeah, so um, in Perth, the like they used to be called senior comp, like seniors, but it's mm-hmm. called Strive. So our Strive comps are every um, every Friday night throughout the year, or throughout the year. Wow, um, from <laughs> from October until yeah. March. Mm-hmm. Um, so over that kind of summer period, um, and and yeah, so it just gives an opportunity for. Because obviously the younger athletes still have their little athletics on a Saturday morning. Yep. Um, so it gives the younger athletes an opportunity to run with the older athletes to run with people from outside of their club region at little athletics. But then also us older athletes who are too old for little athletics. Um, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's just like a weekly competition that's run. that ro- They rotate through four different programs. Um, but, you know, every second week there'll be an 800 and then every yep, second yep. week there'll be a 1500 and a 400. So kind of on the like alternating kind of rosters. Um, so, yeah, given my events 800, I'll do like an 800. Um, <clears throat> I could compete every week if I wanted. Like there's no restrictions yeah. and I could I could do an 800, I could do long jump and I could do a shot put. So I can do whatever I want. Um, but you kind of tend to go there and do the events that you're focusing on or you're training yes. for. Um, but, yeah, it's really open to, to anyone. Like anyone could go down and register for a club and compete if they wanted to. Um, because it's 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 essentially it is community sports. So yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah, as long as you're registered with the club, you just go down, you compete. Um and obvious and then there's obviously like the um there's like groups of athletes that will will just stick to their own events. Um but then there's others that will come down and acquire and and do a few different events just for fun as well. So So what club do you race or race with? Um so I yeah so I compete for UWA. Okay. So UWA Athletics. Um and yeah, so I've been with them for, I don't know, six or seven years. Right. Um, and do you come – so I assume we did little, little athletics. Yeah. And then once you kind of age out of that, is that when you go to a club and 
race with them? Yeah, so I did my little athletics um, in Kingsway, so north of the river. Um, so I was there from under eights, I think, all the way through. It goes to under 17s. Um, some some little athletics clubs don't actually have senior clubs to then transition to. Mm. Um, so I went from Kingsway. I was pretty fortunate because I was um, running, I was doing four like 800s and 400s at that time as well. I was already competing at Strive Comps before I was out of my little okay, athletics. Okay. So I kind of had that smooth transition that there isn't, that lots of people don't have in athletics because some people will just do little athletics all the way through to under 17s and then have to find a senior club to join. And then when you go to Strive Comps on a Friday, all your heats are seated. So you could be in a race with someone who's like 10 years older than you and five years younger than you. Like it's just because they just seed all the heats. So it can be quite daunting for younger athletes coming up. Yeah who go there and are used to running in their own age group and then go and have to race people that are like 10 years older than them. Like it's, you're like, oh, my gosh. Um, but Does it make it daunting for you, like if you kind of get whispers that a young a young fire starter is coming up and you have to race against them, you're like, oh, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I've never I don't, really had that. Yeah, well, I think when I was competing as a young athlete at Strive Comps doing the fours and eights, I was that. <laughs> I was that young athlete. Like I was like, you know, a few years younger than some of the other girls and I was mixing it with like those girls being older than me. But then um, but then like but then roles kind of got reversed when I went out of pole, went into pole vault, then came out of pole vault and went back to running. Mm-hmm. I think my first 800 back was like I was the oldest in my heat by and I always complain that I'm old at athletics because I was the oldest in my heat by like eight or nine years and I was like oh my gosh and they're all gonna beat me like (laughs) but um yeah I think you kind of get used to it um you know strive's always been one of those things that is just everyone's chucked in the same thing so you don't really like take too much notice of like ages as such unless you look at the start list and you're like wow these girls are so young because there's some fast girls going around at the moment and they're all like pretty young Mm. um but yeah, I think you just get used to it. You mentioned your transition to pole vaulting at the top of the podcast and just then. Can you explain, the, I guess, the process, how that kind of came about? Yeah, so um, I yeah, it would have been 2017, so after my last World, world Under 20s, which was 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a period from about 2015 probably to 2017, I just wasn't really enjoying the sport. Um, and when you spend a lot of time training for something and – you know, my, I was at uni part-time, I was working part-time and pole vault was like the focus um, and our coach was pretty strict on that. Like don't do full-time uni, don't do full-time work. Like we're training this time. Like we train at 10 o'clock and do four-hour vault sessions during the day. So it was very structured and I, I loved it before but I think I got to that point where I felt a bit trapped in that situation. Like I, I, I was enjoying kind of enjoying uni um but I was doing uni and I was always I've always been someone that's been really busy um so I always do like a billion things and that's how I operate um but yeah kind of having someone say like no like you can't do this you can't do that you have to do pole vault it was like I want to do pole vault but I want to do it like like I want to enjoy what I'm doing so I kind of yeah so I kind of lost that enjoyment a little bit and I was struggling a bit mentally um pole vault's one of those events like it's so technical and Um, yeah, so I kind of like, I struggled to like take off and I was having a few issues with like body image, um, being, being the sport it is, power to weight ratio is really important. And there was quite a, 
like when I look back on it now, a very unnecessary um, focus on looking a certain way, being a certain weight, having certain skin folds. Right, interesting. Um, yeah, so that that pressure as well didn't really work for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I dealt with a few like mental health struggles along that time and I just was really hating it. Um, and it actually took my brother to go like I think because I being such a niche sport um, right. and there was only like two of us in WA that were going like Nina and I, we'd go to, we went to World Youth and the next year we'd go to World Juniors. It was just because we were so dominant in an event because there weren't that many competitors. Um, but, yeah, it took it like, and I think because we had success in that in that event, you can't, I don't, I don't think we took it for granted, but, you know, it was, it was kind of like it's just what we did. So we'd go to comps and we'd go over east and we'd go to nationals and we'd do well because there was only the two of us and a few others floating around like then. Um, that were really quite competitive. So, yeah, I just got to the point where I was just not really enjoying it and my brother was, I was t- talking to my brother about it and he was like, do you even like it anymore? This is just like in the kitchen at home. He's like, do you even like it anymore? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, no, like do you actually, do you want to do it? Do you like it? Do you enjoy going to training? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so that like having someone else kind of put that in perspective for me, I was like, wow, like, you know, like I, it's your identity and that's how everyone sees you. That's how you see yourself. And because I was that person for so long, I, it took me a long time to kind of go, it's actually okay to put that aside, like go do something you want to do, be happy, enjoy yourself again. Cause I was training like every single day and I didn't want to get training and I was hating it. I was training by myself and I was just like, I just need a break. (laughs) So yeah, within a week I went to my coach and well, both my coaches and I was like, I just, I want to have a break. Like I just not, not loving it. And I was, it was really, it was really hard to make the decision, but yeah, made the decision. And then ever since then, like I've just never looked back. So I know it was the right one. Um, But when I think about it, my initial choice to do pole vault over 800s, because I'd say that those two events for me were on par when I was a junior. So under 15 or under 16s, I think was my last national 800 um, or under 17s maybe. I'm not sure, but one of the two. Um, I was on par with both 800s and pole vault that I was at a, at a point where my coaches like needed me to choose. And that was like the year we were going to world youth, like the first year we had that opportunity to go um, compete internationally. Um, and I potentially could have gone for 800s um, if I wanted to. Um, but me choosing pole vault was like, well, I can't go back to pole vault. I can't have like yeah, a five-year okay. stint off and decide that in five years time I want to do pole vault. Whereas like if I if I potentially if I want to come back and do eight hundreds, I know that I probably can. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was kind of a big part of my decision making. And look where we are. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> Well, yeah, because you couldn't go the other way around. You couldn't just go eight hundred and then um go to pole vaulting because it's so technical and you have to learn so much. It's your body, you have to maneuver your body around a pole, you have to be able to sprint fast and mm. it's like almost like gymnastics in the air. You try not to get impaled by a stick on the way down. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that's what drew me to pole vault is um like our training was we'd do one gymnastics session a week, we'd be in the gym, we'd be sprinting, we'd be doing long jump, um, you know, lots of plyometrics and things like that. And then obviously the jumping component, which was just so yeah. fun. Like all very multifaceted. Yeah. Just the whole it wasn't just like, all right, what are we doing today? We're running. What are we doing tomorrow? Oh, we're running. <laughs> so I think that's what drew me to, oh, shit. that definitely drew me to pole vault. Um, and obviously I loved it. And um, 
yeah, I just, yeah. So I was like, I may as well give it a crack. Mm -hmm. But um, mum tells me a funny story that we actually got, so it would have been like state relays 2009, I think, um, when we got identified as pole vaulters um, in, yeah, from from Little Athletics. So there was like a group of us that, um, you know, they they obviously saw us running and were like, oh, they've got good speed or they've got good technique or something. Like we think they could potentially be a good pole vaulter. Um, so that was kind of how we got into pole vault. We got a letter in the mail maybe a month later being like, come try pole vault. We're doing come and try a day. We identified you at State Relays. And I've gone, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. I was like showing mum. She's like, you're going to go, right? I was like, no, are you kidding? Like why? Like why would I go do pole vault? Like I'm running. Like I love my running. I'm not going to bother like with pole vault. Mum's like, oh, you think you'd be silly not to go? And I was like, I'm not going. Like, don't be <laughs> stupid. Um, and then, yeah, and then I look back now and I'm like, I'm kind of glad I went because <laughs> um, I wouldn't have got all the opportunity. Well, yeah, it was likely that I wouldn't have got the opportunities yeah, that I did get with it. So, yeah. I think I definitely would have jumped at the opportunity to get out, get away from running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as much as I as much as I try to get into the running, it's just always that 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 feeling. I just have to. Um, yeah, don't, don't. it's so self driven as well. Yeah. You can just stop. You're like, oh yeah, 100. Oh, that's why I, when I do my running, I always try to like I, I set out like I'm gonna do like uh, aerobic speed running or like interval runs. I always have to set the cones out because I know if I have to reach the cone and get back, or I, I do time runs like minute on minute off. It's easier to get myself through because I know there's that period stop or turn back or to run to like the cones. That it's hard. It's just to be like oh, it's hard. I'm gonna stop. Like I can't do go for five k straight runs. Yeah. Like because I just know by the third K I'm like oh this is shit my yeah my feet are sore my calves are burning I can't get I can't yeah. run anymore my back's jacked up <laughs> there's no more of that yeah as an 800 meter run do you have to do you do running running over the 800 meter distance like for, for thresholds or um yeah so run? um yeah so we our kind of general training week um Mondays will be one Mondays will be one of our hardest sessions um okay. it's generally some longer reps um on the grass track um, but working on that 800 kind of pace. Um, okay. Tuesday, I'm in the gym. Wednesday is our track session. Um, so it's where okay. it's like specific. So 800, we might do race models. Um, we might do, you know, any any kind of distances at race pace. Um, okay. So less than 800. Um, I think our session the other week was like six 250s. So that was okay. just like lactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's at the race. Right um place. so that that session was at f- like more so 400 pace um because okay. we were just trying to sharpen up coming into states. Um but yeah, that Wednesday session has generally been race models, so you know, doing a 400 having 30 seconds rest, doing a oh. 200 having 30 seconds rest, doing another 200. Oh. So that yeah, <laughs> sounds great, hey. Um yeah, so that session, that's my favorite session because it's on the track and you know, it's, yeah, it's okay. I would I would say it's good fun, but it's it's not. Um, but you feel good after <laughs> it. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You like you finish and you're like, okay, that was a good session. Um, but then Thursday is just an easy jog, so it's just time on legs. Um, so not really worrying about how fast you're running. I mean, it's you you kind of you look at your watch and it beeps up like, you know, five ten, and you're like, oh, I wish I'm going under five minutes. But <laughs> that runs more just like. Time at like eight, anywhere between six and 10 Ks for me, just depending on how my week looks um, in terms of comps and um, how much I've done before that. Um, but yeah, it's just easy, easy Ks. And then Friday will be either a competition during comp season or it okay. will be like hills or um, threshold 
Um, and then Saturday we've been doing trail stuff. So, um, yeah, so like longer reps again, but on the trails just to take away from the track and yeah, a bit of strength. Um, so we've got a little like loop that we do in Kareen. Okay. So it's like 830 meters and it goes path, trail, trail path. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and it's like a little bit slopey as well. So it's just kind of change a little bit of a mix type of. Yeah. It's um, like a, yeah. So it's like more specific away. than just doing, you know, 800 flat on, on grass in a straight line kind of thing. So just getting that change of surface, it's like good for your feet and, and things like that as well. It's yeah. a bit softer. Um, and yeah, and, and when you run on the trail, you don't have, like if you're running 800 metres on trail, you don't have the idea of, oh, well, if I can run 800 metres on track at this at this pace, like <laughs> so you kind of, you take away and you, you go to the trails and it just becomes like. It takes your mind away from Yeah, the, it becomes just like a non, like non-specific, you're just running 800 metres on the trail yeah, and you're awesome. not really thinking about it. So, yeah. So in a week, what are your average, like a normal standard week, what's your average distance Yes, yeah, so I'm probably at like. Given my background coming through pole vault, um, I'm probably I'd be definitely be on the lower end of how many k's I've, I'll be covering okay. compared to other 800 meter runners. So I'm probably doing, oh, actually, yeah, my watch says 38 um, for the week. week, but that's probably about 35, 36 maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so roughly, because um, that takes into account the the walk. slow walking between the horrible reps at <laughs> sessions, but um. Yeah, so that's probably the lower end for me. Um, when I got up to 50, I was doing 50 a week like like a year ago maybe and I got really bad plantar fasciitis. Um, so obviously with 800 running, you do like we do a lot of fast stuff on the track in spikes. Um, mm. So um, even like 30Ks, like 30Ks a week is like 10, three long, like three 10K runs, right? Like and if you do those slow, you could probably do five in a week but because some of our Ks are really high intensity and they're on the track, their speed work, they kind of, well, I find for me they kind of account for more than what they are. Like I think if I was just doing long, slow runs every every day, I could probably get my Ks up to a lot more. Of but because, course, yes. But because they're higher intensity Ks, like my feet get sore, my yeah, back gets so sore. Much. Yeah, yeah. For, your, for the, I guess, the the volume of like the accumulative load. Comes yeah. Because you want to, we do this well, similar kind of theory down at uh, East Rio because we're we want to do two trainings or field sessions a week and the philosophy around it is we can get away with less kilometer total k's in the week but our high intensity needs to be higher to make mm. up for that difference yeah and there's no actual science around around that it's just more of a theory because if we can go for longer at lower intensity but mm. that's gonna take away from our intent like you want to make sure that in a game we're running at high intensity yeah so like yeah most sessions we're getting up to around 10 Ks, but anywhere between uh, 40%, 40 to 50% of it yeah. is at high intensity. So yes. uh, 18K an hour plus we go before off our GPS units. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of similar. Like if you had a GPS model or a GPS unit which able to track your speed breakdown, yeah. you'd have a lot more of your, your Ks would be upper and higher end of the yeah. speed zone, whereas if you were doing it, doing going for more Ks, it would be at the lower end. Yeah, definitely. So high high yeah. quality work. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll like, you know, when a few years ago I was like, I'm going to be an 800 meter runner. And and I was like, I need to be doing 50 or 60 Ks a week. And because, and some of the guys over, over East and, and some of the girls as well, they're doing like one of the guys I know is doing like 100 Ks a week, but he's, oh he's completely different because he's like, has that longer distance kind of, 
he's always done that. Okay. Um, but whereas like some of the girls are doing like, you know, 50, 60, 70. Um, whereas like for me, it's like, because I, I've missed such a big period yes. as a pole vaulter. So at the times that they were probably doing 30, 40 Ks a week, I was pole vaulting. I was doing like four Ks a week. Like <laughs> we did no mm. running when we were pole vaulting because it was all, <laughs> it was all like, you know, sprint stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we just didn't accumulate that much volume in terms of Ks. Um, but again, it, it would have been high intensity stuff with pole vault because we did a lot of plyos. We did a lot yeah. of jumping sessions and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's like I, the way I look at it is quality over quantity. Um, so less is more. Yeah. Um, so that kind of idea. Um, but, you know, I still have my one long run in there a week um, and just making sure that that's then low intensity is really important um, because, you know, if I get out there and try and run, you know, 8Ks at 4.30s, that's what's going to get me injured rather yes. than like the track work. But it's that easy run that now becomes hard. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to play around with, my load and my training sessions to make sure that my easy Ks are really easy yeah, and that, you know, and that the sessions are good quality, right. even like warm ups and cool downs. Like some of the cool downs we do are like seven minute crawls because like <laughs> seven mm. minute per K cause we're wrecked, but it's just about turning the legs over and recovering for the mm. next session. So yeah, I'm bad for cool downs. <laughs> I'm hopeless. I'm just easy straight out of the gym back home. Get me out of there. Yeah, I don't do much in the gym in terms of a cool down, but yeah, running sessions, I find if I don't cool down the next day or the next training day, my legs feel heavy. So, well, especially even after sparring, I'm even worse for it because I just go straight home. I should actually go either ice bath or sauna because in sparring, like you get knocked knees or like mm. you somewhat like get leg kicked and that sort of stuff. And so, say like corky in the legs. Yeah. As soon as I sit down, I got to stand up again. I should not. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Um, is there any like, I guess you were talking about the Ks in the week. Is there any like old school coaches who have this idea in the head that they want to hit a certain K, every like certain total Ks each week? Like for um, AFL, there was there was a period where all the coaches, no matter what they were doing, they wanted to hit fifty Ks a week. Yeah. That was just kind of their number, like an yeah. old school number. And all the sports scientists kind of got them out of that. But it was a, a period where it was fifty Ks a week, no matter what, and kind of broke a lot of people down. Is there something like that similar in, in athletics? Um I don't know. I think it um like yeah, I don't I don't know too many I don't speak with coaches enough to okay. know if that's their kind of philosophy around it all. But um yeah, I think it'd be interesting to know, but um so my current coach um has worked more with 400 meter runners and athletes, so she kind of she she might put a cap on like session volume, like we might okay. not do more than um Oh gosh, I don't even know. We might not do more than like say two k's worth of work in a session, um, and then that will slowly decrease as you go more into the season. Because again, like your intensity increases, so that overall volume reduces. Um, but yeah, not that I know of. I haven't really spoken to any coaches that have gone. Yeah, I want my athletes hitting this because um, I think you know it comes down to the athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I'm doing thirty to forty k's a week. And I'm running similar times to some that might be doing, you know, 70 or 80 because we're just different athletes. Yes. So I come from, even though my roots is kind of like like that endurance running, I, I do, I did miss five or six years as a pole vaulter. So I'm probably, my training age for an 800 is probably two or three years compared to 
some someone doing 70 or 80 Ks a week, yeah, training their training age might be six years. Yeah. So I might potentially get there um, yeah. in three years' time, but I can't manage it at, right now, so that's why I'm not doing it. You Did you, your, um, <laughs> when you went to transition into that, back into that 100 metres, did you, was there a period where you didn't, didn't compete for a period because you had to kind of train up, you had to build up that tolerance to load in your training or was it straight, we kind of managed your training in the week and uh, allowed you to race on the weekends? Um, so, yeah, so I think it's likely that I did compete the end, like that, the end of the year that I first started back running. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was the year after. I'm, I can't really remember because, um, <laughs> It's so long ago. Um, so my coach is pretty keen on athletes competing. Yeah. She's kind of, she's like a race is like, especially when you're kind of new to it, I guess. Um, she's like racing is really important. You need to do it. Um, you need to practice your race. You need to execute all those kinds of things. Um, and she's kind of like, why would you train all winter and not compete? Like, right. why are you training with the squad and training four times a week and then not going to compete? Like, that's what we're training for. So she kind of had that mentality. Um, so she, she just encouraged me to just get out there and run. Um, and, and that was what I, like, I needed to find that passion again. So I was just like, you know what, like put everything aside, like, I'm just going to run, see how we go. And it gives you a baseline. So for me, it was like, all right, well, that's where I'm at. So that's good to know, but I don't, I don't want to run that slow. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's likely that I competed, um, the end of that first year or maybe the year after, um, for the first time. But yeah, the my coach was pretty keen on like getting us racing and, you know, because then you can then you can reassess training targets as well, yeah. and you almost yeah improve a bit and quicker. And also, you're dealing with the competition and and getting used to the warm up, warm ups, the pool room, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, That's definitely. It. And I think you know, like being able to execute a race. Um, you know, some people can train yeah. really well and can't execute, and yeah. some people can like be so slack at training, but no, but are good at racing. Or oh, just that hold in, back and are good at racing. That happens in athletics as well. It's not just um, team sports. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, it really comes down to the person. Mm. Like, you know, um, some people like race like and yeah. can smash you in a race and you can flog them at training and you're like, how does that work? <laughs> so um, it must be a mental switch or something. I, like just, I like, think it is, right. but I think it comes down to like how much you as an athlete can push yourself because training is so self-driven and it's so nice. easy to go, I'm just going to run these easy. And you got your last rep wonders as well. So oh. we'll cruise, cruise, cruise and last rep they're like bang and run three seconds quicker and you're like, are you kidding? Like... Mm. And you run three seconds slower because you've blown up. Um, But, yeah, I think it just comes down to the type of person you are. For me, I'm like don't leave anything on the track. Like I'll be like crawling on the floor to do my last rep saying I don't want to do it and I'll probably still do it. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Last rep wonder, that's a good one. I don't use that term. We have to use that now. Yeah. There's a few of that around there. Like usually it's usually the younger guys coming up into the senior guys, senior program, and then uh, as – we're doing the last set of the yeah. or the last couple of reps of the runs. All the senior boys kind of drop off, and those kids run up. Yeah, I try to think they're really good, but because they're like, oh, I, I call them sandbaggers, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, yeah. So, in all that week, you know, 38, 36, 38 k's a week. Where do you fit your gym program, and how does that kind of look? Um, so I fit my gym. So Tuesday I don't run. Okay. Um, so I do my one gym session on a Tuesday and then I do my second gym session on a Saturday usually. Right. Um, and that'll be, I usually just like do my trail session and then go straight to the gym. Okay. 
Okay. Um, but it just depends. Like now that I'm, I work on Saturdays now, so I do my running in the morning and then work and then I do gym after, which is probably better for recovery anyway. Um, otherwise, sometimes if I, you know, have something on, I'll do it on a Thursday afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so – but Sunday's my my one day. I, like, refuse to do anything. I'm like, I need one day off just to just to rest. I did run this morning in saying that, but that's because <laughs> I didn't run yesterday. Oh, so, um, so, yeah, so usually I, I like to have that one day just to not do anything. Mm. Yeah. And instead of having that mental break today, you're here talking about – Athletics. Athletics and running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are your two sessions a week? How do they kind of break up? Do you do total body splits? Is it power exposed depending on the period of the year? Yeah. So um, I'm really lucky. So my gym coach used to work at Waze, um, yeah. Greg Morgan. He did the, I think he did like kayak, like rowing and kayaking programs. So he's, he's a really good gym coach. And I moved across to him a few years ago because I was kind of run, doing my own thing. Once I left Waze, I was... Um, doing my own programs and when you write your own program, you're like, oh, I've missed that today. I'll do one less set of that. And um, at that point I didn't have too much experience on, you know, I knew what I kind of needed but not too much experience on periodization and things like that. So I was just going to the gym and doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, got in contact with Greg and we've, like, worked a lot together and he's been really helpful. He, like, really explains what I'm doing, which is good and because I, like, and I'm always asking questions. I'm like, why do you give us this? Because, like, because I was studying it at the time. I was yeah, like, yeah. what's the point of this? What's the point of this? He probably gets annoyed with all the questions that I ask. But um, no, nah, he's really good. So we've kind of got two full body type programs. Yep. Um, yeah, we don't have too much upper body in there, but like more just like body that weight stuff. stuff yes, yeah. So yeah, so we'll do some like chin ups or, okay, yeah. or something like that. And I always ask him for chin ups in my program because it's the one thing that I could, we did so much of when we were pole vaulting and it's the one, like it's the one strength that I never wanted to lose. I was like, I like that I can do chin-ups. I don't want to lose them. So keep them in my program. something about being able to do chin-ups, especially with weight and you feel like. And it's one of those things that if you can't do it, like if you stop doing it, you'll probably lose it. It's like the first thing to go. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So I was like, I want to, I want to keep doing chin-ups, but I'm like no bench press, Ah. no bicep curls. No, nothing. I was like, just chin ups. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a pretty, like, pretty good split of both. We've got our Olympic lifts in there, which I love. So we did a lot, like, having quite, a, doing a lot of gym stuff with pole vault. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we did heaps of snatches and cleans um, through that. So we've kind of kept that going. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's really just general strength. And um, I'm like, I've done so much gym work across my career. That um, for me, I didn't I didn't necessarily need to get any stronger being an 800 runner because I came from a yes, power sport. Yes. So I actually have lost a lot of like muscle mass in my upper body just because I'm not like I'm not pole vaulting anymore. Um, but also because like 800 being more of an endurance sport, we've kind of like tailored that a little bit um, in terms of programming and we're not lifting super heavy right. like all the time, but we're still getting our heavy lifts in there. Um, and yeah, it's just been maintenance for me because yeah. I've I've come in quite I've come in like when I was eight hundred like eight hundred runner <laughs> like I don't look like an eight hundred runner I think I look more like one now, but um I came from pole vault so I came from a power sport like and I was a lot like a lot musclier than I am now um so for me it was like losing a bit of that mass but still maintaining my strength along the way. Is there I guess is there a lot of work around injury prevention in the program? You're doing single leg, hamstring sort of hip sort of work as well to 
maintain that balance? Yeah. So I've, um, yeah, my I've had really bad yeah. like feet oh, since so I um since I kind of transitioned. Just like that increase in volume of training. Um, so we've got a lot of feet prehab work in there. Oh, cool. Um, what kind of stuff are you doing? So, um, one of my physios gave me toga, like toe toga. yoga. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that when my plantar fascias are really bad, yeah. um, I was doing a lot of that stuff. So we'd like the theravans, okay, like moving okay. the toes, but even just like bare feet work. So, oh, yeah. um, like the moving along the floor, like a scrunching towels and stuff. Oh, okay, and, yep, yep. Um, and the thing that saved my life was this thing called a fasciitis fighter. You right. know how like you meant to do um calf raises on a towel if you've got like you roll up a towel, yep, yep, and put your big of, toe on your on yep, the towel. Yep. It's one of those, but it's like a, a foam pad. That, so okay. I do all my calf raises, well, most of my calf raises on that. Yep. Um, so it stretches that, out the, the Yeah, it just um, like increases the activation of like your feet muscles a little bit mm-hmm. just because it's like stretching your big toe up. Um, but, yeah, so we do a lot of that and then just, yeah, general work. I'm pretty I'm, – I'm not very good at doing my warm-up in my gym work. Um, never mind. But yeah. the, more, the more that I've been working, like, now in strength and conditioning, like, the more mobility stuff I do just every day in general because I'm, like, in the gym all the time. So I, like, yeah. go through warm-ups and I always do the warm-up with, like, my groups that I have. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, um, I could be better. I think everyone – says that they can be better with their prehab and their rehab stuff. But um, I've been pretty fortunate apart from having a few feet problems along the way with injuries. Um, yeah, I like I th- and I think that just comes from having like general strength. Like I'm pretty strong. So like I've just been really lucky with touch wood, not having too many soft tissue injuries and things like that. It's more been overused stuff. So um, plantar fash, um bit of like hammy tendon stuff, yeah, which yeah. has come from like just doing too much sprinting. Um, uh, no, nah, that wasn't so much vaulting. That was more when I was doing like some faster work and doing speed okay. sessions yeah. um, that, and you know, back pole vault, we do speed sessions. We do like four 30 meter sprints and we're like, oh, all right, go run guys, you're done. Um, <laughs> whereas now it's like your speed sessions might be like five one fifty. So that right. kind of intensity okay. is like made me a little bit sore. But um yeah, I've been pretty lucky with all the injury stuff. No, no injuries in the pole vaulting? Um I I hurt my back. Okay. Um so I had a couple back issues. I had a facet joint sprain. Yeah, yeah. Um just because you take off and you lose your, your lower back. Um so my back's just a bit ongoing from that. Okay. Um I am really good at putting it into back spasms, like oh, in the wow, gym really? as a warm up, like picking up a really light bar to do a warm up set and putting my back out. I've done that a few times. Shit. Can't move for like a week. Recently or? Uh, the most recent time I did it was about April last year. And yeah. Oh no. But that was that because was I also tried footy and I was really sore from footy and I was going to the gym and yeah, I just put my back out and I was in so much pain for like a week and a half. And now I like don't take not having a sore back for granted. <laughs> I know, but as soon as you say April, I'm thinking almost into March, almost June, so almost been. Yeah, it's almost been a year. Yeah, yeah. So touch fingers again, crossed. Quick touch wood. <laughs> yeah, a lot of athletes tend to say touch wood, and lucky I've got these chairs. Yeah, out. perfect. Um, so you tried footy? <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> I loved it. It was so much fun, and like. Was that just a bit of fun? Like on a week? Yeah. So there was like three of us that went down from our running group. 
Okay. We one of the girls was like, I'm actually going to watch them play footy today. So my friends Kobe and Jess, one place for Clement, one place for Subi now. Oh. Um, but we were all at training and we were like, Do you reckon we should like Kobe was really keen? She's like, yeah. I want to go try footy. And we were like, Oh yeah. And Jess is a really good <laughs> soccer player. And I was just kind of there. And at that point I was like, my running was just, I was doing it because I was loving it. And I wasn't really okay, too okay. like a hundred percent like full ball, like I'm gonna do this and this and this. I was I was still like, you know, running and but they were like, let's go try footy. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I told my partner and he was like, nah, don't do it. He's like, I wouldn't, he's like, nah, I don't want you going to footy. You're going to get injured. Nah. And I was like, nah, I'll be right. So anyway, after one of our sessions on a Monday, we went down to Wembley and we and we just like went to training and had the best time. It was so much yeah. fun. And then, so we started doing it and I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't play because I'm going to hurt myself. And um, I did, I've got a really bad ankle from pole vault. Um, so I managed to roll that in the first scratch match that I played. Classic. <laughs> um, no, actually I rolled it. No, I first rolled it like when I was out and about doing stuff just cause All it's right. so dodgy. <laughs> so I rolled it when I was out and then I rolled it a second time and did a syndesmosis oh. at footy. And I was like, Oh, I think I've done. And I did, did you have, to have surgery. Nah, so it like turns out I'd done it before and I was like, what? Yeah. No, I never, and I never got Well, because I've got like no ligaments. It's like a golf ball in there. It's so fat, but um, like it's really like there's no lateral ligaments. Um, so I know it's bad. So I had it taped anyway and I rolled it through tape and everything. So I did a pretty good oh, job. Yeah. Um, Classic. But, yeah, at that point I was like, oh, well, if I want to focus on my running, I probably can't play footy. Cause like I was going to training and, yeah. you know, and like playing and you do contact stuff. And I was like, my shoulders were sore and, <laughs> and my coach, my coach was kind of like, look, I don't mind. Like if you want to do it, you can do it. But if we're going to look at next season, you can't expect to run really good times if you're going to play footy. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like I can do everything, which I can't. Um, so yeah. So in the space of five days, um, my back was really sore from footy because I was like, cause Down you're running, you're like sprinting at high speed. You're trying to bend down to pick up a ball. And my, my back was getting sore. And then in that scratch match, I managed to roll my ankle. And then five days later, it's when I put my back out because I was going to the gym cause I couldn't run. So I went to the gym to, to do a gym <laughs> session and put my back out. I like got home and I just sat on the couch and I yeah. was like, I was like, I think, I think I'm done with footy. Yeah. We have a bad track record on this podcast talking about syndesmosis because yeah. I had uh, Phil Seth who plays for Frio. We were talking, she's a physio. Yeah. And we were talking about all the syndesmosis we had uh, in the previous season at East Frio. And then a couple, couple of weeks later, she ended up doing her syndesmosis. Mm. So let's touch wood again. Mine, so was pretty, mine was pretty minor, but oh. when I first did it, I had like all this swelling here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, syndesmosis. So, so when you did it, was it you get caught? Yeah, so I kind of got tackled as I like it was like fully taped. There was so much strapping tape on it. So I'm surprised that I managed to roll it. But I had someone like tackle me at the same time. So it was like their body weight plus mine. Yeah. And straight away I like heard a pop and I was like, ooh. (laughs) And I've like hobbled off. And it was the third quarter as well. So it it was like halfway through the third quarter. And I was like, oh, I got so close. And my partner's just like, oh, did you roll your ankle? Like, no, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> he's like told you so <laughs> but you would have been you would have been kind of the top tier in terms of the fitness like you've been able to cover the ground quite well i imagine yeah well i think um 
yeah, I think I was playing on the wing, I think. Um, but, yeah, because – and but that we – so the Wembley team, did they won the grand final last year, the, yeah. C, the C1 grade. Um, and, yeah, because the three of us from athletics went, so I obviously stopped. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the other two girls being really good runners, um, yeah, just chucking both one, one wing each and <laughs> bang. Because <laughs> I always imagine that if there was going to be an athletics – uh, like an athlete to come across from athletics, it would be someone in that 400, 800 meter range because that's that that volume or that kind of intensity of the runs, but like at a repeated repeated effort. Yeah, you know. I was surprised though. I it was so hard. I thought I was fit going into it, but yeah, it's yeah. that stop start, twenty meters stop, twenty meters like thirty meters. Like mm. it was, I like I thought I was relatively right. fit, was and it was such a different fitness yeah. playing it. Um, didn't help that the first scratch match we played was like a 38-degree day and we played at like yeah. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But, um, yeah, I was surprised like how like how hard it was in terms of the running because I thought I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty fit, like I can do 400, like whatever. But it's that repeated effort of like going really fast and having to stop and then change direction. I was no good at changing direction. I've done a straight line sport my whole life, which is half the reason why my ankle <laughs> didn't hold up for too much of it, but um, yeah, doing straight line stuff and being like, oh, I'm going to play footy. Your groins, Recipe for disaster. Your groins didn't get sore or anything. Um, I got a sore hip flexor okay. from kicking because I'm because oh, <laughs> I'm a lefty and I can't oh, I can't kick on my right. So I'm and I've got no desire to try and kick on my right because it's crap. So I'm just like <laughs> I was just always kicking on my left foot. So my left hip flexor got oh. sore. Um, but yeah, it didn't last long. My footy career didn't last long. It's pretty. Not not much to talk about. Disappointed about it didn't go. Off. Um. Oh, uh, I'm. I did. I made the decision to focus on my running, yeah. and where I'm at now with that, it definitely paid off. Um. I would have loved if I could do both in an ideal world. If I could do both and do as well as possible in both, I would. Um. But I'll happily play footy when I'm finished my running. Like it's definitely something that I go back and do because I loved it so much. Yeah. I was so good. Uh, we went down and watched the um the game yesterday at East Rio. And I was saying to Casey, it's like almost, almost be bad, like just as bad playing footy in the summer than it is in the winter. Winter is like cold and miserable, mm. but in the summer, it's for, like you've got the whole day and you know that you're going to play in 30 yeah. degree a day, whatever it was yesterday. And it kind of puts you like the rest of the day is ruined because you, you get dehydrated, like you're going to be dehydrated from playing and then you like you have to make sure you recover and do that sort of stuff. It would just be suck. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's the thing, like, it was, yeah, I thought about it all day. I was like, I'm going to have to make sure I hydrate and everything. Whereas I love it when, because we race, sometimes we race so late at night. We oh, might yeah. race at like 8.30, but there's nothing better than like a 40 degree day and racing at 8.30 at night because it's still warm, but the sun's gone down, there's no wind yeah. and it's just perfect for conditions. But um, yeah. So going back to the, the pole vaulting and you are talking about the strength to power ratio, you said you had trouble with your with body image and, and all that. What was the kind of the biggest that the, we had to kind of get over? Was like a mental kind of block on how you looked? Um, so we had like we had a bit of pressure from coaches um, that we had to be a certain weight and be a certain skin fold oh, measure. Okay. Um, so there was a bit of pressure around that. Um, and, you know, some people can – some people are like, yeah, whatever, like – like if you like I guess in like a footy environment it's like boys your skin folds need to be 60 or under but saying that to a 17 year old girl 
who's like in year 12 or in year 11 or whatever being like, oh, you know, your skin folds, they need to be lower and your body weight needs to be lower. And um, I think we at Waste, there's so many service providers around like physiology, dietitian, the coach, and the coach was kind of taking all of those roles and, oh, wow. and doing it all. Um, which, which made it confusing because you had the dietitian telling you one thing, the coach telling you another thing, and you didn't really know who to listen to. Um, so there was, yeah, it was just, it was just a really difficult time for me. I was like, I struggled with being told that I had to look a certain way and be a certain weight and have a certain skin for measure because I never had to think about that ever in my life. Like I've like a growing up, I always did sport always ate well and then but it almost being drilled into you like donate this donate this you like overthink it and then I just struggled like honestly I um I just found it really hard to yeah to manage like I would weigh myself in the morning I'd have breakfast I'd weigh myself I'd go to training and come home I'd weigh myself like it was it was it was really like it was so like it was so much to deal with um and so they took the like a freedom, like your freedom was taken away. Yeah, and it's kind of what I mentioned earlier in terms of um, like you can't go to, you can't work full time, you can't uni mm-hmm. full time, you have to do this, you have to do that. It was that, like, you know, like not having the choice to be able to go. Well, actually, I really like uni. I want to go full time. I'm still going to do all my training sessions, but I want to do that. You know, like we didn't have that choice, and I, um, it just became a really unhealthy environment for me. Um, and it took me a while to realize, but I was such an unhappy person. Um, me and my dad are super close and I like lost my whole relationship with my dad because he was like trying to get me out of a toxic environment. And I was just right. like, dad, shut up. Like we'd just ignore him. And cause I knew he was right, but I was like, nah, like I'm not gonna. So dad and I like struggled and, and mum was kind of always there, but, um, I actually was with my dad the other day and he's like, I feel like I have to apologize for the way that, you know, we didn't get on. But he's like, I was trying to get you out of there. He's like, look at you now. You're so happy. Like yeah. you're so this and you're so that. And and I guess that's the one thing I think about now is how I felt back then. Um, and it's the one thing like, you know, I I walked away from a sport that I love, that I had success in. Um, and so many people don't understand. They're like, why you were you were good, why'd you stop? And it's like, you have no idea. <laughs> like you have no idea why I stopped. But it's like for me, like the, the most simple way to put it is that if you're not happy, why are you doing it? Um, you spend so much time doing something, training for something, working so hard. But if you don't love it and you don't want to go to training, like why are you putting so much time and effort into something that actually makes you really unhappy? Um, so I think, you know, it's what I kind of relay now to the younger girls that I coach. And I'm like, you have to love what you're doing because if you're not loving it, then like why are you spending so much time doing it, Yeah, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because I guess you probably didn't have someone like yourself telling you that when you were that age. Well, and, and that's the hardest thing, like, you know, um, body image in like in sport in general is such a big thing now. So many more people are talking about it. Um, and But actually me being able to look back on that time in my life, like I look back at it now and I can like like see – like where I went wrong kind of thing. But at that, like, there's no way that in, I was in that point in time going in five years time, like I'm going to see that I'm in a bad spot. You know what I mean? Like mm. you can't really, like I can look back now and go, oh, wow. I was like, I'm like, but I look back now and I go, how the hell did I turn out so normal now? <laughs> because like I was honestly, 
I felt like, you know, there was no coming back. Like I was, you know, I was really struggling. I, I wasn't um, like I just developed some really unhealthy like eating behaviours and like weighing myself all the time. It's so mentally draining and like but that was that was normal because yeah, that's what I was doing at that yeah, point yeah, in yeah. time. But I look back now and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like um, and and that's kind of why I guess um, like I'm so proud of where I am now because like that however many years ago, six years ago, like I was like I was ready to just like not like I was going to quit pole vault and do nothing. Like <laughs> I, I wasn't but, you know, like I was I was so like I just thought I was like stuck in that position. I was like, well, this like this is my identity. This is what I do. Like I'm just going to have to work through this. But it wasn't until I realised that I needed to get out of that environment right. that straight away getting out of that environment was just a step in the right direction. And then everything kind of came after that, like just being happy, enjoying what I was doing, having my own say over my own life that I could go to training and work full time or not work. I've never worked full time. That's a lie. But um, <laughs> but like, you know, you know, go do stuff and, and go play footy. Like there's yeah, like when I was pole vaulting, like it was different again because I was in waste, but being able to have that opportunity to like try something, like I was playing social netball with my friends and doing all the things that when I was pole vaulting, it was like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. Mm. And I've and yeah, I just didn't realize, I guess, until when I reflect on it and when I have reflected on it over the last few years, um, that like having that choice, like you're much you're a much better athlete if you're happy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like and it and it's crazy, like but it took so long to actually step away from my identity of being a pole vaulter to actually realize like it's okay, like I don't have to be that person just because I have been for the last five years. And I can step away from something that I love because I'm not happy. Like finding that kind of, I think, yeah, I think being okay with that mm. took a while. But uh, we bring it up or comes up a lot on the podcast from other different athletes about being like having the your identity tied to mm. your um, being an athlete. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay for your identity to change because a lot of people have, have issues with or have trouble with being able to, that changing who you are is and changing your identity, they have a lot of struggled with doing that. Mm. I guess one of the biggest things is it's okay to change your identity, but it's not you're not changing who you are. It's yeah, what, who you what you're tied to. Yeah, it's like it's not what you do. It, what yeah, that there's yeah. that saying. It's like it's not what you do. It's that's who you fine. are. Yeah, it's who you something. are or something. And 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 that's yeah, that's when I, I actually heard that on um, you know, Mojo Crow. No, I don't. He's um he's. Oh, gosh, he he's on he's on Instagram, but he's worked with like um, some athletes, um, and I listened to a podcast, and that was one of the things he said. He's like, I try and explain to all my athletes that it's it's not about what you do; it's about the person that you are, and you are that person, and and that is just something that you you do. Like what you do doesn't define you. So, and that, and like you know, it was hard being like. You know, I used to have people go, oh, you're that pole vaulter. And I'm like, uh, no, not anymore. Um, but, yeah, it took a while. But I think that was I think that was my fear of, like, walking away from being a pole vaulter. But now I'm like, I, don't, I couldn't care less. Like, yeah, that was part of my life now. Like, and now I'm, I'm not that person anymore. You spoke about it was that conversation that you had with your brother mm. about stepping away. Was there, was there stuff leading up to that point? Like, were you I mean, doing your own kind of re- – like, were you reading – or kind of getting a sense that you you 
Um, did you step away or? Yeah, so I I got injured. Uh, yeah, I so this ankle's giving me so much trouble, <laughs> but I think it was when I like I had surgery on my ankle. I was training by myself, um, like rehabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going into the gym whenever just to do my own thing and. Um, uh, yeah, I was just like, you know, doing rehab by myself. Like my coaches had other athletes to worry about. So they were kind of like, you work, like you do your own thing. And which was fine because at that point, like, you know, like there's always events around the corner and it was like February. So it's almost middle of the competition kind of calendar. So, you know, I was just doing my own thing. And, um, but yeah, I guess getting injured kind of put me, made me like s- slow down. And because I was training by myself and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and I think at that point I realized like I didn't actually have much desire to get back. Like I was like, what am I rehabbing for? Like mm-hmm. I just started running. I was training like the um, exercise physiologist was was doing my training sessions with me. She was taking me for my run sessions. She was taking me for sessions in the pool. Um she was, you know, helping me with my rehab and stuff. And I was kind of like, like what, like I, I can't even train with my actual coach. Yeah. Um, and at that point that's when there was lots of um, chatter around all the body comp stuff like and we, we're not allowed to vault until you weigh under 60 and your skin folds are 60. And it was just, it was a shit show honestly because I'm like I have never been fitter in my life now and I don't weigh under 60. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, so, it, so like telling someone they need to be a certain weight when there's like abs, like the last time I weighed under 60, I would have been like 15 and like yeah. year 10 or something, you know? So it's like, it's just, and, and me having a background in sports science, yeah. you go you through nutrition. Yeah. I was studying at that site and I'm like, are you crazy? Like that is just not going to happen. And he's like, they're like, oh, you know, um, Oh, get in the gym more, do more gym sessions. And I'm, I'm, I look at a 10 kilo weight plate and I put on 10 kilos. Like, kidding? Like, I need to, if you want me to lose weight, I'll go running. But I couldn't <laughs> run because my ankle was caught. Yeah. So I couldn't win. But um, yeah, there was lots of pressure around that. And I think getting injured and having surgery and having a bit of time away from the environment, I kind of realized that I was like, I don't think this is the right path for me. Um, but I always loved my athletics. So I was never going to just stop pole vaulting and and become a couch potato. Like I wanted to, I wanted to still do athletics cause I loved it. Um, so yeah, that's when I kind of made the decision to have a break from pole vault. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and kind of stepped away, but then still did running and, and start, yeah, started yeah. running and stuff like that. Do you go, do you outsource like your mental health? Like sort of, sort of, do you go out and research do your own kind of listen to podcasts do your own reflection or do you go and sit down with the psych and talk yeah so i i worked with a psych at waste um for a long time and that like really really helped me um and it wasn't until so when i transitioned out of waste my psych actually left um and they were like oh as a transition like you get this much psych work this much dietitian Mm -hmm. stuff um and it was a new psych and i was like at that point I was like, I was pretty good and I knew that I could reach out to my current psych and, and I'd kind of like been through a lot, been through enough that I felt like I was in a pretty good headspace. Um, and I know that if I needed my psych, I could reach out to him, but I was like, I don't want to tell another psychologist my whole life story. <laughs> and it was nothing against the psych. I was just I like, it gets, it gets you get a relationship with someone and, you know, like I was seeing my psych every couple of weeks um, and we had a really good relationship and, you know, you kind of see them and then you just touch base and, mm-hmm. and it's not like a 
so what have you been doing over the last five years? <laughs> like sitting down with someone again and going through that. I was like, not happening. But um, at that point in time, I was I was pretty good. Um, but then I know like, um, like mum was super supportive and dad as well. Um, but yeah, I think for like, I think I'm like lucky, like I dealt with a lot of shit, but it was an environment that was like a trigger. So once mm. I got out of that environment, I was actually like a 10 times better. Like a super high performance, like too tightly wound like, high performance sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So once I got out of that, I was kind of like, like this, I already feel better because I'm making my own choices. I'm going to training because I want to yeah. go to training. Restricting, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And that made a huge difference. Do you listen to podcasts or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. I listen to, I love the Howie Games because yeah. I just love listening to different <laughs> athlete experiences. Exactly. Um, and just anyone that's on there, like I'll listen to. Um, I listened a bit to the Resilience Project mm-hmm. as well. Um, I liked that. Um, and then I just listened to random ones here and there. Yeah, one um, that stands out. Um, yeah, what I mentioned about the the, the Mojo Crow, yep. that was I think that was on the Resilience Project um, and they actually were talking to Travis Boak who was talking ah, about ooh that um that link with like it's not it's like who you are it's just a part of what you do like it doesn't define you so I really liked that one um but actually I don't reckon I've read a book since school and I read a book um just over the last month and it was um how bad do you want it oh yeah I've heard that yeah and it was about like going through the psychology with endurance athletes through different events so they went through athletes that were marathon runners tour de france like all these different things and like the whole mind over muscle type thing. And that was really, really good. I really liked that too. Cause it's like really relatable. Yeah. So there is definitely, definitely something around that as well. Like you can train your mind to be able to put it up or do be able to handle more work than what your body can actually do. Well, and, and that's what it was kind of saying that was talking about, you know, like you might, you might have this much capacity, but, and the next person might have this much capacity but like if you can work that much of your capacity and they can only work that much of their mm. or potential say, like doesn't matter that they're better, but you can actually tap into more of like your potential than they can. So like that idea around it's like it's like how like it's literally how bad you want it. Every 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 end of every chapter, it's like how bad you want it. You're like, yeah, true, okay, I get that. But um, yeah, that idea behind like it's just like all in your head and you can relate to that at training because like that last rep that you don't want to do, it's like, well, getting to the start line and actually doing it, it's like that's your mind working over your body because your body mm. feels wrecked but like you just do it anyway and that's mm. kind of like and like in a race situation when you're feeling really tired but it's like, well, no, like you can't just stop. <laughs> so mm. like that whole keep pushing until you you can't anymore. All of that. Have you heard of uh, David Goggins? I don't think so. Anyway, he's he comes up on this podcast. I mentioned him a lot in this podcast. He came up with this 40% rule. He's a yeah. uh, former Navy SEAL, but before that he was severely overweight, had to do um, all this training, and he, he actually qualified to get into BUDS. Um, he failed He failed two two times in BUDS. After each time he ended up stacking a whole bunch of weight, like just a lot of um, mental health issues and that sort of stuff. Third time he ended up getting through, doing all of that. So he had, you know, all that big block of of work and stuff he had to get through. And then while he was in the in the seals, he wanted to do this run to a charity run to um to to uh, make up and, and to do some work for. It was like a foundation that he wanted to run for 
like a Navy SEAL foundation for someone who passed away. And he, to do the race, he had to do 100 miles. Uh, had to run 100 miles in 24 hours was the oh, kind wow. of condition he had to do. Yeah. And he wasn't a runner. Like he was like a bodybuilder, like big jack guy. And he was like, oh, I'm going to do it. How hard can it be? And then supposedly the day before he was doing like deadlifts and squats. So his legs were jacked up. Oh, my gosh. And he ran and he got to about 60 miles and he, he was shot like he was dead. Like he sat down, sat down on the chair, like was prepared, didn't have any any like drinks, didn't have any food and just went on water and a chair to sit on. And, and yeah, supposedly he, his body went to like shock. He started to like, you know, started to shit himself, started to do all oh this sort God. of stuff. And he was like, and then he, he had this switch in his mind that was like, oh, I'll just get up and I'll just start walking it to finish because he started thinking about his mates and all that sort of yeah. stuff. He passed away. And then he said, by he, he walked for 10 miles and he was like, there's no way I'm going to get 100 miles in, in 24 hours. He was at whatever stage. I can't remember what stage in the time he was at. But he ended up jogging and then he ended up getting to a run and he ended up, he got to 100 miles, but it was he finished it in like 22, 22 hours or whatever. Yeah. But then his wife had to like pick him up and take him home. His body was going into shock. Like at this stage, he was like blood, blood was coming out. Oh it my was, god, it great. was wild. Anyway, he was he was in the bathtub at his home and he rang the guy and he said, "I I did the hundred miles." And the guy goes back to him, goes, "The whole idea of the race was to run twenty four hours, not not to, not to twenty two, <laughs> not twenty two hours." Anyway, the whole point of the story was he was at 60, 60 miles and he thought he was done. Mm. But this, he still ran an extra 40 miles after that. So yeah. he still had 40% left in the yeah. tank. Yep. And then even at that stage, he was he was in the bathtub, you know, shitting out blood. He was, still wasn't dead. Like he still had, you know, well, 5% or whatever. Yeah. Like he was pretty close to knocking on death's, death's door. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, there's that 40% rule. There's yeah. always that little bit more left in the tank. Yeah, mind over mind over, mind over matter, yeah. mind over muscle. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. <laughs> I definitely don't feel that, though, when I'm in the sauna. There's like 15 minutes left. In a, and you're like, no, I've got to get uh, out. <laughs> sauna so do you ever do any sauna or anything um, like that for recovery? Oh, it, like sometimes we, we've we done it, like, but it's more just like we'll just go on like a Sunday, like just whenever. Because I, I find that. it's too, um, if you don't, uh, if you don't like replace the fluid that you lost, yeah. like I can find it then like can affect you going into training. Yeah, yeah, so if yeah. I look at my week, there's not oh, really, yeah. I don't really want to do a sauna like before a running session. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's just and and I can do it for like twenty minutes and then I'm like I'm done. <laughs> like and especially like through summer, it's been so hot this summer that mm. you know we like sweat out on the track. That the last thing I want to do is go and sit in a sauna for like yeah. half an hour and sweat out more. So <laughs> I've been doing it after. There's a bit of science now coming out to say if you do it after, like almost immediately after a, a, a real hard cardiovascular session, yeah, that actually helps you get fitter. Yeah, the adaptation your, or something. Yeah, keeps yeah. your heart rate up higher. Yeah, okay, and helps interesting. Helps your cardiovascular system yeah. to adapt. Yeah, right. And obviously, because yeah. it helps you sweat more too. So obviously, in the heat, it makes you able to acclimatize and stay cool. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I I think if yeah, if I had one more available to me, I think I'd yeah, maybe yeah, use yeah, it. But um, you one. go to you go to the one at like at the rec center and like with a bunch of like fifty year old dudes, and you're like, yeah, oh, it's the last place yeah. I want to go. But um. Yeah, I think those um those like the saunas are like the infrared ones and stuff. Yeah, good. yeah they don't get as hot, I don't no, think. Don't but um yeah, at those places where they're like a bit more like fancy, like <laughs> a bit cleaner than um <laughs> but um yeah, with all this COVID stuff floating around at the moment, I think the sauna would be a bit of a germ pool. Yeah. So ice baths? 
Yeah, yeah. so when like I used to do them a lot being at waste because yeah, obviously yeah. they had a full recovery yeah. set up. So really like doing ice baths. Um, but now not being there, it's like just go to the beach, beach yeah. after training, um, just jumping in the water for a swim there. I try and I try like I love the beach, so I always go. Um but yeah, I think sometimes I'll do like compression. Okay. Um, yep. But I don't know how much that works. Do those boots? Yeah. Yeah. We have it. We actually have a pair at work, and I haven't used them. But we used to again use them at waist quite a lot after a gym session. Um, but again, it all just comes down to like the availability. I try and like I try and stretch. When I say try, okay. I should stretch more than I do. Um, but like foam rolling and trigger okay. balling and, yep. and getting massage or physio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty lucky. I work at a physio clinic. So oh, if I'm like got a free time or after a shift, I like just book in with one of the physios. So that's like the majority of my recovery is other people doing it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like trying to, trying to get, trying to get calf massages at home and stuff, but I'm not very successful with that. Um, but yeah, just doing my own stretching. I've definitely gotten better at it. Um, and this time of the year when it's like the back end of the season, I'm like everything's sore. I wake up yeah, and I'm yeah, like yeah. foam roller can't get injured right now. <laughs> so got the golf ball on the ground and there's so many. You golf- don't have that little ball that has the mat like, vibrating the massage like device. No, there. I don't. I've seen it. Yeah, and you can get the vibrating rollers, rollers as well. Yeah. I don't know how beneficial they be. We've got a massage gun, but I don't know. Um, okay. It's like yeah, yeah. If you're really really tight, they're not that like unless you're really really sore, they're not that good. Because I feel like it doesn't go hard enough. Ah. But um, yeah, sometimes yeah, I use it every now and then. Yeah, I don't have one. I guess the more I always look at them, like oh, it's so much, so so expensive. Yeah, bucks for a gun. Well, we got given. We got we oh, someone bought us one, so yeah, we're pretty happy with that. But yeah, imagine how much. Yeah, if it actually does make a difference or not, and how much just the normal sort of stuff, like obviously sleep, hydration, mm. and and your diet is going to be the big, big and freezer. and that's yeah, that's that's the thing, like. Like we were really lucky at Waste because we had access to all those, like to um to the recovery center, so we really utilized it. Whereas now it's like, um, it's like just making sure you're getting like that post training nutrition in, and mm-hmm. and you know going to the beach or having a good stretch mm-hmm. after a session, um, doing a pro- like even just a proper cool down is like just makes such a difference. Um, but yeah, I think I think I I don't do as much recovery now as I used to. Um, because again, it was drilled into us back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now I'm much better at like going home and instead of sitting on the couch for an hour, I'll like actually stretch every now and then, um, or roll or foam yeah, roll. Yeah. Cause I know that it makes me feel better. <laughs> How about your nutrition? Do you keep that quite simple? You don't try to um, make too fancy. Yeah. Well, like, um, like I don't, I'm not like I, I went, I tried to go vegetarian once, like I really liked oh, really? it, but, um, just like, it's not sustainable in terms of. I ran out of ideas and I was literally <laughs> eating spinach. <laughs> um, now me and my brother, me and my, it's, it's quite funny. So me and my brother watch Game Changers together oh, and yeah. my brother's pretty easily, inf- easily influenced, <laughs> um, but he's quite determined as well. So um, we watched Game Changers and we were like, let's go vegan. Like, let's do it. Oh, this is legit. We were like, this is legit. We're going to do it. So and so that was on like a Friday and then we, for like a day, we like had a vegan dinner and then the next day it was a Saturday and he went out, came home. Next morning I woke up, opened the fridge, there's a meat box in there. <laughs> and then Josh, and then he got up and I was like, um, so how's your vegan going? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think it's going. I was like, is that your meat box in the fridge? And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but um, what after- happens when they get drunk. 
Vegan yeah. Go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he actually went vegan for like longer than I could. Oh, wow. I just I couldn't be bothered, honestly. It was like yeah. a, it was too time consuming. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. But then I tried vegetarian. I really liked it. But now I just like, I'm all about like a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like just food is fuel that's how I think about it now and now that I have a really good relationship with food I'm like I'm like you know I'm gonna eat I'm gonna eat all all the carbs and all the bread and (laughs) everything that I want so like I don't have any like I'm not on a low carb and I drink black coffee just because I like it not because I'm not trying to have carbs so it's it's it's, um yeah it's just one of those things like now I'm I'll like you know I had a raspberry white chocolate muffin the other day because I because I wanted one um, and I don't do it all the time. So it's it becomes like a like it's a treat, but it's like tastes better. Yeah, it's, it's way nice. better than like a, you know, piece of toast with I don't know, Vegemite. So <laughs> but um Raspberry White Chalk Muffin sounds from um you gotta go to IGA. They make okay. the really good ones there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my diet's pretty like boring and basic. Yeah. Um like I don't like I don't eat anything special. No, but yeah. yeah. I get the whole ethical um, reasoning behind people go like vegan and that yeah. sort of stuff because I, I listened to a podcast with this one guy who used to work at one of the like the slaughterhouses like not here in Australia but over in yeah I think it was over in in, in the UK he worked and he was talking about like how just how putrid and how like just mm. how un- inhumane it all is yeah and then I was like oh now kind of feel bad you got to because you also lose a, a bit of touch into how whole process works like mm. you just go to you go to uh, Woolies and it's Packaged chicken and yeah. like, oh, everything is already there. You kind of lose touch into where it all comes from, like yeah. chicken, all process. So I actually go. So I had to think about it a little bit. It's like, oh, should I go vegan or should I keep going? But like, you can't mm. really go once you know once you know like the slaughterhouse and how yeah. it works. Like, kind of feel disgusting going getting that stuff. So I made a decision. Didn't want to go vegan because I like meat. Yeah. So I thought, oh, okay, so I'll actually go to a source of butcher now mm. that actually is grass fed, grass finished. Yeah. Sort of stuff. So. You know, cows out roaming the paddock for however many days of its life, and yeah. lives a pretty good life, and just has one bad day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so the, the the meat's a lot healthier too because it's not under stress. They're not yeah. actually compacted in and in cages the whole life. So it's it, but the funny thing is, it's not as tender because actually because the beef or the cows that are out roaming the paddock are actually using their muscles to work. Yeah, okay. So it's a, yeah. So it's a leaner cut of beef. Yeah, most of the time it's not as fatty, and it's actually. The meat is darker because yeah. it actually been worked. Yeah, okay. I never thought and of that. That's why like kangaroo, that. oh, yeah. kangaroo, if you have a kangaroo, is very yep. tough because they're always so, they're so springy. Yeah. They're very like athletic. Yeah, right. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. I love kangaroo. Kangaroo's great. Yeah, right. I've never had, had it. No. Nah, I won't, a funny I won't do it. I won't. No. Nah. Like the idea of like kangaroo or like rabbit or no. Nah. Game meat's really good. It's really yeah, lean. No. Nah. Nah. It tastes a bit funny because it's very high in iron. Yeah, okay. That's why well, I think if I beef liver. No, nah. see, I'm I'm like a I'm not like a that kind of person. I'll eat everything, but I'm like, um, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no, <nah. laughs> I'm like mm, beef hearts, liver. No, thank you. <laughs> Just the name turns me off. Kidney, I, kidney, don't. Yeah, nah, nah, gross. No. Tastes like actually, like actually tastes like piss. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> gross. Um, yeah, see, I'm yeah, I'll I'll just eat normal stuff. None none of that mm. stuff. But um, bone marrow is really nice. They've had bone marrow. <laughs> Um, I don't know. No, I don't you, think so. If you cook the bone marrow and you put it on top of like garlic bread. Yeah, okay. It's really nice. No, I haven't done salty. that. Can't say I've done that. Um, 
yeah, but I guess that was my like I'm all for people being vegan and for those reasons and stuff. But um, I guess for me it was like I don't actually like like what I eat now is working for me. I don't want to have to go vegan or like I don't want to go vegan and then have to take all these tablets to yes, to, to, supplement. to supplement all the things that I just could be eating. But that's just my opinion on it, and like I'm all for people doing it for the ethical reasons and things like that. Um, or just out of pure choice, like good on them but um yeah for me i was like i don't I, if i can get all my nutrients from food makes it easier right? it's just easier and yeah you don't do any supplements like do you do protein i have protein powder like you know protein. after like a gym session on like a saturday i mean on like a tuesday or something yep. but like i'm like if i go to the gym and come home and have dinner straight away mm -hmm. things like that um but yeah i just you know like all this um like you know, you got to know what's in your supplements, right? So yep. sometimes it just gets too hard and I'd rather just yeah. not worry about <laughs> yeah, yeah. making sure things are correct, like making sure my supplements are allowed by just not having them all together. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so I'm um, like, you know, at the, at the weekend just gone, we had state champs and I got drug tested and I was oh, like, wow. lucky I didn't like, but it still yeah. freaks you out. Um, but um, yeah, so my brother gets a lot of protein powders, so he'll tend to, and they're all like, in, they're all ticked with like all the approved labels and oh, stuff. Yeah. So if I have any protein, it's from him, and I know oh, that does it's he know right. That you're stealing scoops. Yeah, well, he gives me the. He just gave oh, me a whole bag. Oh, he gave yeah, you a bag. Yeah, so we we don't live together anymore. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, he just he's <laughs> like he's like this is the old stuff. You can have it, and I'm like yeah. thanks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I find it like I'd rather just. If I can get everything out of my food, then I can. If I have to, like sometimes I take iron supplements, okay. um, if anything. Yeah, electrolytes. Yeah. I do all that kind of stuff, like mm. Barocca, electrolytes, all of that. But, um, yeah, I'd rather just be safe, like especially if I don't need it. Like if I can function without it, yeah. then what's yeah. the point taking it just in case, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So now you're working at Front Runner. Yeah. How long have you been there for? Um, I think since 2019. So. Okay couple of years now um but i just started with like running coaching so just one-on-one -on -one so you do running that, stuff like your own track coach um so i no nah, so i i'm not like with any of like the squads necessarily for mm -hmm. the track stuff but i'll do like one-on-ones or like small uh, groups small okay. group yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. that people come to front runner and train with me if they're not in a group mm -hmm. um but then they might start with me and then go into a group from me so how do you find the whole the change in being an athlete and having a coach relationship and then being the coach and having an athlete. Yeah, I love it. I think um, like, I, yeah, I, re I really like coaching um, and seeing like the kids improve is like mm -hmm. really like you're like, oh, I've done my job. So, um, yeah, I like it. And I think um, having that relationship with like a kid, you can really like if they like, and, and this is where it comes back to like me like talking about like loving your sport and loving what you do. Like just encouraging that because, you know, if they love it and they have passion for it, they're going to keep going. And if you can like bring like, cause I, I love, I love running. I love my sport. I love coaching. I love seeing people doing well. So it's like, if I can give that to someone and like help them mm -hmm. kind of on their journey, cause I know like how influential your coach can be on like, you know, what you do, like whether you like, whether you change events or something like yeah. it, like that, that coach athlete relationship can be so influential on like the rest of your career so if you have a good coach growing up you kind of like you'll always remember that yes so yeah that's cool so coming up to the end of the podcast i've got one question from myself 
if you were to have dinner with any four people you could choose. Oh, my gosh. Any, any like, oh like dead or alive, who would you pick? Oh, wow. I'm not very good at this stuff. Um, <laughs> you really put me on the spot here. Um, gosh, I actually like I'm, I'm a bit stuck. Um, Come, surely. Okay, four people. Anyone. Um, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope you can cut this out if I don't actually give you an answer. No, 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 we're gone. <laughs> I don't do any editing in the podcast. Oh, God. So Should have told me that before. Um, oh, I don't even know. So my, like, idol growing up, like, was Kylie Wheeler. Okay. Um, she's a heptathlete. She went oh, okay. to the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. Like, yeah, but I've been really lucky to like coach a little bit with her. Oh, cool. Um, so like a, a lot of people that I've looked up to, like I've actually crossed paths with. I think it'd be really cool to have dinner with someone like um, I don't know. Like I love sport, so I love sports stars. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'd probably have like a real fangirl moment if I like had dinner with someone like just someone like Brett Lee or something just because, yeah, just because like I just was, he was like my favourite player when we, because my family are cricket mad and then there's me who's a runner. So the cricket <laughs> the cricket was always on. So like he was always someone that I really liked watching. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. I, I you seriously, yeah, you seriously put me on the spot. Like I honestly can't, I can't. You're not leaving. We're not going. Oh, we're going to be spot. here a long time. Um, we an hour and a half, so. <laughs> Um, a third person, I think like Kathy Freeman, that'd be sick. Um, and, um, can I just have dinner with three people? I'm the fourth person. No, no, it's it's five. (laughs) Um. Table's booked for five. Oh gosh. You can't Um, roll up with one. one Maybe they just didn't rock up because they didn't want to have dinner with me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, fourth person. I don't know. Um, yeah, look. Where would you go for dinner? Where would we go? I don't know. Would you cook? No way. <laughs> go somewhere like real expensive, I reckon, if I'm not paying. But, um, yeah, just somewhere like fancy, I reckon. Would it be Australia? Would you go? Um, Have you been travelling? Yeah, so I've been over to Europe. We could go like some like Italian place in Europe maybe. Something like Germany. Mm. Bread's good in Germany. I bet. Yeah. Love good bread. Hot, nothing better than beets, like warm, warm sourdough. Yeah. And a little bit of butter, just as it yeah. melts. Yeah, so good. Probably the best. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're up to Uncle Frank's question time. <laughs> oh, gosh. This might be even harder to question to Oh, ask. gosh. Because it's quite, it's a, yeah, it does ask some difficult questions. So take oh. your pick. Yep. Read it out loud. Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Wow, Uncle Frank. <laughs> Jeez. People ask um, if Uncle Frank is real. Yes, I do have a real Uncle Frank. Is he? Yes. He's a real Uncle Frank. It's not a joke. So is there something if you've dreamed of, why haven't you done it? Um, look, I'd say I think as an athlete, like, you know, the Olympics is the pinnacle of, of track and field, like it's mm. the pinnacle of your sport. Um, so growing up, um, like my dream was always going to the Olympics. So um, I'd still like to think that that dream is still achievable at some point. 
So Uncle Frank, I haven't done it because I'm not fast enough yet. <laughs> but um, no, so oh, you can't um, be that hard on yourself. Nah, so I think like it's it's always a goal. It's kind of I've detoured along my way. Mm. Um, but I'd still like to think that potentially I could get there. Like I mm. feel like if I didn't have the ambition to to reach like that highest level, I probably wouldn't be doing it still. Um, my kind of goal after pole vault was just to get back to the level that I was pole vaulting at, but in my running. Um, so I guess I'm like almost there. I'm like, we got nationals in like a month or something like that. Um, and I'm getting over East to do a comp before nationals as well. So I'm kind of like tracking in the right direction, providing that we keep going in the right direction. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, one day I can actually get there. Um, and yeah, I think like, like I said, I reckon if, if I didn't have high ambitions to be the best I could be, um, I wouldn't be still in the sport. Um, and if I wasn't really determined and resilient, like I definitely wouldn't be in the sport if I didn't have resilience. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a goal. And I think for a lot of people, if, if like, if your sport is in the Olympics, um, yeah, it's definitely a goal and I'd love to get there. So sure. I'd like to think I'm on the right trajectory. You are. Well, on behalf of myself and everyone who listens to the podcast, I'm sure, <laughs> We'll be rooting for you and hoping <laughs> that within, I don't know, when's the next one? 2024? 2024, yep. In the future that yep. we, we see you on the TV screens. and Hopefully. And stuff. <laughs> so all the best and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Right, thanks Do you for having me. shout anyone out? Do you want to say thanks to anyone? Um, no, thank, thanks for having me. Um, I guess my my boss will be happy that Front Runner got a plug. So, um, yeah, I think that's all good. <laughs> all right, thank you. I, again, I appreciate your time. So yeah, no worries. Thank you. All the best then. Uh, thanks, everyone.